Well, good morning. My name's Kyle. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope that you're glad to be here. I know that for some of you, uh, you've had a great week, and you're just like, yes, nailed it. Glad to be here. Fun week. Everything went great. For others in the room, uh, it's been a hard week for whatever reason. Uh, you've been struggling. Things have happened. Things didn't go the way you thought they would, and you came here today to truly breathe in some grace. And I pray that today, whether you had a great week or whether you had a hard week, uh, I'm praying that our time together in singing and expressing our hearts towards the Lord and opening His Word and having this conversation about Jesus today will settle you and just stabilize your soul right now because I know some of you are absolutely desperate for that and I'm believing that for you. Well, we're in week two of our series called There's Grace for That. And last week, um, if you weren't here, we'd love for you to hop on to the app or online and listen in to week one of There's Grace for That. If you're here, you'll remember that we talked about rule keepers and we talked about rule breakers. There were some husbands and wives that did that along the way. Anyway, um, but what we realized was whether you're a rule keeper or you're, or you're a rule breaker, we're all in need of this incredible gift called grace. And we talked about grace last week and what it was and how it brings us salvation. And that is so uh, foundational to everything we're talking about today and the next few weeks. And today we want to build on that. And today I want to talk about staying saved. Staying saved. And I just want to go ahead and say to you, there's grace for that. For you, for I, to stay saved, there's grace for that. So what I want to do for just a few moments as we get going is share with you my story. Um, now, I know my story doesn't look like everybody's story in here. In fact, my story doesn't look like ultimately anybody's story in here. Maybe there's some similarities. But what I'm hoping is, is I kind of share with you my story that maybe it can encourage you and maybe it can help you with this whole incredible thing that we ought to be experiencing and we ought to be having in our life called grace. And so my story takes me back right now in this moment to when I was really young. I was maybe five, six years old. Um, I'm uh, at home and a dry washcloth got me. So I am uh, going to take my bath like my mom tells me. I come back out. And she asked this question, I don't know why moms ask this question, but she's like, did you wash behind your ears? I'm like, there's a lot more important places probably to wash than behind your ears. And so anyway, I'm honest and I say no. And she says, well, here's a new washcloth, go back in there and you wash behind your ears. And so I go back in the bathroom and I choose to piddle, to play, to do whatever a five or six year old kid can do to make the time go by, and I know that she's busy doing something else, and I think enough time has passed for me to have washed behind my ears, and I leave, I take the washcloth, I go to the laundry room, I throw it in the laundry hamper, and a few minutes go by, my mom comes out, and she says, did you wash behind your ears? This time, I say yes, to which my mom pulls out a dry washcloth. And there in that moment as a five, six-year-old kid was the first time that I can vividly remember intentionally deciding to lie and the feeling of knowing that I had done something 
very wrong and that I had sinned. You know that feeling, right? That feeling of all kinds of words we use to describe it, where we're caught red-handed, where we know we've crossed a line, where we know we're in big trouble, where we know consequences are coming. Well, as my story rocked along just a few short years, um, still a young kid, uh, growing up in a home where my dad was a pastor and my mom was a Christian too, and and because uh, pastors are Christians, by the way. Anyway, and so anyway, growing up in that Christian home and hearing the gospel, hearing how Jesus died for my sin, even the dry washcloth deal, and my lie, and and coming back from the dead, and hearing that in a Christian school that I went to at a very young age, um, I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I, I want I want to be saved, and so my dad took me, he opened the Bible, he read some scriptures, I read some scriptures, and um, in our house that we were in in Florence, Alabama, some of you have heard me tell this story before, um, we had this marvelous yellow velour couch, and we had a brown shag carpet, of which if I told you the real color of that carpet, my three boys would start cracking up right now. Anyway, you can figure that one out if you want to. And so anyway, there I was, and I heard those scriptures, And I prayed, and my salvation took place in that moment. We'll rock along a little bit longer, and I'm in my early teens at this point. I've lived, obviously, a little bit more life. And I am really wrestling with and struggling with my doubts. And I don't know how many of you in this room have uh, struggled with doubt in your life. I would venture to say that most, if not everybody in this room, has wrestled with this thing of doubt. And so for me, my story, again, yours is different, but my story for me, I had this doubt of, like, whether I was saved or not. Like, did, did I get it? Did I, did I really get what I needed in that moment? And for me, what brought about my doubts, among other things, specifically, it was I couldn't remember the exact words that I prayed when I got saved. And so I was really worried and doubting my salvation because I was worried maybe I didn't say the right words, maybe I didn't express this, or maybe I didn't express that. And so I wrestled with that. So there I am as a young teenage boy, not sleeping very well at night because I'm wrestling with these doubts. Well, eventually one night I just couldn't go to sleep and I decided, all right, I'm going to get this deal done. I'm going to get on my knees right now and I'm going to pray the words that I know I need to pray and I'm going to settle this once and forever. And again, my story, this is the way mine looked. I got on my knees beside my bed. I obviously at this point had researched it well, the words that you're supposed to say, right, when you pray to receive Jesus as your Savior. And I was ready to do that, and I got ready to open my mouth, and I couldn't do it. And the shift took place in me in this moment. And it was a marvelous, wonderful shift that if it hasn't happened for you yet, it's got to happen or you're going to live the rest of your life with doubts. In this moment, everything went from my story, my salvation, and my doubts. And in that moment, it became so real for me that I was about to talk to and express my thoughts and my feelings and my desires, listen to me, to my Jesus. And the shift was then away from me and what I did do or did say or didn't say. 
And in that moment, I knew, I couldn't remember all the words that I had prayed when I was younger, but I knew that whatever faith I had when I was younger, I expressed to him that I had lied to my mom. I expressed to him to my sin. And I had received by faith, what little bit of faith that I had, that Jesus had died for me and then he came back from the dead for me. And in that moment, I didn't pray again because I knew that he was my Jesus because of what he did for me me and everything shifted for me at that moment. Now to say I haven't had any more doubts in my life or anything I've had to wrestle with, no, but I'm just telling you it's a major, major shift. And some of you right now think, think that your salvation somehow rests on you. Somehow you think it's the prayer that you prayed. Somehow you think it's the things that you did or the things you didn't do as to whether or not you have salvation. The question is for me, for you, is he, by my faith, my Savior, my Lord, him doing what he said he would do or not? And so it's the shift. And a lot of you, I'm finding these conversations over and over again. There's this worry, this fear, this doubt, all these things that are you're wrestling with. And it's all about what you did do, what you didn't do, what God thinks about you. And I'm just here to tell you, when you realize that it's all about him and what he did, he always does what he said he would do. And for me, I knew in that moment I was his and he was mine. And it was just clear. Some of you, you've prayed that prayer like 43,000 times, right? Because you wanted to be sure. There's some people in the room, like you're like, I can't even tell you how many times. I prayed a prayer of salvation because I wasn't sure, and I wasn't sure, and I wasn't sure, and I wasn't sure. Uh, for some of you right now, there's just like this, this wrestling in you of do I have it or do I not have it? Um, these two questions I'll put on the screen for you. The first one is, did I get it, right? Did I get it? Like salvation is like a disease or something. You know, and like I want to be tested to see whether I have it or not. Am I positive for salvation or negative for salvation? And we treat it like a disease. Here's the question that we need to pose is not did I get it. It's did God give it to me? Okay, did God give it to me? And for me, I just kept coming to the conclusion that a, a younger age, my story at a younger age, I asked him for it. And he did what he said he would do. And God gave me this incredible thing called salvation. And he did it through his grace. So it's not about did I get it, it's about did God give it to me. In your notes, uh, we've got kind of this um, kind of scale on there, one through ten. You're going to see it come on the screen too. And if you've got like your program, pull it out. And I want you to take a minute. And if you want to like totally like block it so nobody else can see and you want to turn around and you want to kind of do your thing, that's all right. Where are you at right now with how sure you are of your salvation, your relationship with God, your going to heaven when this life is over? Is it like over here on a one, like, man, no way? It's over here on like a 10, like, yes, for sure, I'm going, no doubt about it. Is it more like a six, like, well, I had a pretty good week, so I'm feeling pretty good about it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I even washed the dishes for my wife, I'm feeling like things are going well for me right now. Is it like a two because you blew it bad this week? Where are you? How sure are you one to 10. This is just for you to wrestle with and to think about because, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. As your friend, as your pastor, I don't want you to spend the rest of your life like, maybe, maybe not, hopefully. I don't think that's how we can live as Christians. I don't think we can function. In fact, I think the enemy whose name is Satan has paralyzed most of us with this beautiful, beautiful thing God's given us in salvation. And then we're wondering, did God do what he said he would do or not? What if right now as your pastor I stood up here and said to you, guys, i got to be honest, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm saved. 
I'm not sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven. If I said that, most of you probably rightfully so would just get up and go to IHOP or somewhere, right? Like, why am I even listening to this guy? Like, can you imagine if that's where I was? Right? I don't know. Like, maybe. I don't know. Feeling pretty good. I don't know. Let me check it out tomorrow. How, how, how sure are you? How sure are you? Something everybody wrestles with. What if, what if I told you this? What if I told you that I have sinned, listen to me, and this is not like a what if, I'm telling you. I have sinned more since I got saved at the age of seven. Okay, I was young. I have sinned more since Jesus saved me than before Jesus saved me. How do you feel about that one? Now, that one right there you're kind of wrestling with a little bit too. You're like, I thought he was perfect, man. Like, I thought Terry was married to the perfect man. And they have a perfect marriage. And he is a perfect father. Oh, just blew your bubble, right? Is there grace for that? It's what I want us to wrestle with and what I want us to talk about. Again, this, this thing we, we wrestle with, who is saved? Am I still saved? Do I have it? Do I still have it? Did I lose it? A couple questions on the screen for you to consider and to just provoke thought. What exactly does it take for a person to, quote, lose their salvation? What does it take to lose their salvation? If you believe that a person can lose their salvation, and I were to ask you what's your answer, you would give me your answer, and I'd go over here and say, okay, anybody else? And they'd say, possibly, yeah, I believe that, and I'd say, what's your answer? And their answer would probably be different than your answer. And as we went around the room, and if enough people would just, like, be honest, like, I think you can, and here's why, we'd get a bunch of different answers. So what's the answer? What exactly does it take for a person to lose their salvation? Here's another question for you. As you think about scriptures, you think about the story of God, can you find one instance in scripture where anybody is saved twice? Can you show me anywhere in scripture where, man, this guy right here, he repented of his sin, he started following Jesus, and then he screwed up? I can show you that. But then can you go further than that and say, and over here, he asked Jesus to save him, and Jesus saved him again. Can you show me an instance where somebody gets baptized twice in Scripture? Can, can you show me where that happens? And here's what I know this morning. This is kind of an uncomfortable conversation. I've been praying hard. I've been praying that the things I ask and the things I pose and things I talk about will, will make us think, process, lean into the tension, and land where God wants us to potentially land according to his Scripture. Got a picture on the screen for you. It is kind of the epitome of, of what I would say is awkward. Is that coming up? There we go. Um, so I got a 13-year-old son, and every night before he goes to bed, I say to him these words, hug your mom. And it kind of looks about like that right there. Right? Your aunt, your favorite aunt, right, comes over, and then she leans in for a kiss too. You know what awkward is, right? It's an awkward moment where somebody's expressing their love to you. You're just kind of uncomfortable with it. You're like, this is great, and then you get away, and you're like, whew. Listen to this quote by Judah Smith. It's coming on the screen. He says, that's how we often react when grace comes at us. It's awkward. God offers us something that's too good to be true, unmerited, unearned, total forgiveness, and we stand there stiff and uncomfortable. 
waiting for the embrace to stop so we can get back to the business of earning our way to heaven. We need to embrace grace. It is this incredible gift that God gives us, and he doesn't just give it to us once, it's this continual gift of God, his grace. So let's look again this morning at Ephesians chapter 2. We looked at it last week for a short time. I want to look at it a little bit more this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. And on this verse, I'm going to ask you some very specific questions. So turn your answer brain on and turn your mouth on. All right, it's time to talk in church. Here's what it says. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And we'll pause right there for now. God saved you by his grace when you believed. So let me ask you a couple questions. You can look on the screen, look at your scripture, however you want to do it. The answer is there. According to Ephesians chapter 2, God's word, who saved you? About 14 of y'all answered. Come on, people. Who saved you? God saved you. God saved me. I didn't save me and you didn't save you. God saved me and God saved you. If you are rescued from your sin, okay, if you are saved, it's because God did it. God saved you by, what does it say? How does it say it? God did it by what? His grace. Sounds like we need to get a better understanding, a deeper understanding of his grace. We need to know more about the God who saves us, and we need to know more about this grace that he has saved us by because this is everything for us. If, listen to me. If we mess this up, or better yet, if we miss this, we miss everything. So it says God saved you by his what? By his grace. So what do we mean when we say his grace? Last week we gave you just kind of a, a working definition that I'm going to continue to work with and we'll go a little further with it. And that is that grace, you could literally say, is Jesus. If you want to look at, if you want to see, if you want to touch, if you want to feel, if you want to experience, if you want to know grace, go to Jesus. Because he's full of grace. He is the full expression of God's grace to us. We literally could say God saved you by his son Jesus, okay? By grace that flows out of Jesus, we're talking about this unmerited favor of God. God giving you something that you do not deserve. God giving you something that you cannot earn. Who in this room feels like you deserve Jesus? Who in this room feels like you've done enough to earn Jesus? Who in this room feels like you've done enough to say to Jesus, Jesus, I feel like you owe me, you should die for me. Give me a break, right? God saved you by his what? Grace. And then it says, when you, what is the last word? So for our conversation this morning, let's just, let's just put these words uh, as one this morning. So that whichever one I use, you know I mean the same. Belief, trust, faith. Belief, trust, faith. All being one and the same this morning in our conversation. So when I believed, when you believed, when we placed our faith in Jesus, God saved me, God, God saved me by his grace. When you believed in Jesus, when you placed your faith in Jesus, 
God saved you by his grace. Listen to me. Faith is not what saved you, nor is it what keeps you saved. Let me give you the big idea on the screen, and we'll process this out loud and, and land there. Because I'm not, I'm not making little of faith. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm making much of grace and the giver of grace. Okay? I'm not making little of faith. Not at all. I'm making much of grace and the giver of grace. And the big idea this morning is this, okay? We are saved because of grace by means of faith. We are saved because of grace by means of faith. You ever had these kind of doubts? Well, I don't know if I had enough faith when I prayed. Right? That was part of my struggle too. I was only seven. How much faith can you have as a seven-year-old? Right? Well, all I could come back to was I gave him all I had. And all you have is all you have. And all you have is all you can give. And when you give him your faith, it lands us in this beautiful experience of getting and receiving God's grace. We are saved because of grace by means of faith. Um, let, let's kind of do it this way and, and see if this helps you a little bit. Why are you here this morning? Okay, Why are you here? Uh, are you here this morning because of Interstate 30? Is that why you're here? No, that was the means by which you got here, right? Okay, That was the means by which you got here. But you're not here because of I-30. You're here this morning because you want to be here. Are you here this morning, if it was my father-in-law, he would say potentially that he was here this morning because he got in his church truck. Are you here this morning because you got in your church truck? Are you here this morning because you got in your Honda? No, that was the means by which you got here, but you're here. Why? Because you wanted to be here. They can use whatever they need to use to, to blow up I-30. Guess what? You're still here. They can take your little Prius and they can crush it, right? Wouldn't take much, but anyway, they can, they can crush it. They can crush it. Would you still be here? Yeah. It was the means, but that's not why you're here, okay? Faith is the means, but the reason because of your salvation is God's grace. Some of you are wondering, do I have enough faith? If you have faith, the answer is yes. Did you give it to Jesus? And if you gave it to Jesus, he did what he said he would do, and he gave you his grace, which saves you. This is so important for how we are saved. It's also so, so important as to our staying saved. Because either it is God's grace that saves me, or it's my works that save me. And if it's God's grace that saves me, guess what only can keep me saved? God's grace. If it's my works that save me, it's only my works that can keep me saved. Adrian Rogers once said, man, I don't want to trust my best 15 minutes of living to get me into heaven, much less my worst. And so are, are you going to like go down the road of like, well, I believe that it's Jesus that saves me, but it's my job to keep myself saved. What a miserable, miserable life you are living right now. Probably not serving Jesus very much except for to get something from him. 
We are saved because of grace by means of faith. Grace is what saves you. God is who saves you. The thing that saved you is the thing that keeps you saved. The one, the person, the who that saved you is the who that keeps you saved. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 9. He just goes on to make it even clearer. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. And all of God's people said, praise Jesus, hallelujah, thank you. I'm just tired thinking about it. And then he comes along and he says this. Not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Guess who I brag on when I talk about my salvation? Anybody want to guess? Jesus! The one who died for me. The one who came back from the dead. The grace that I've received. The God who gave him and it to me. Again, we're saved because of grace by means of faith. So let's talk about this staying saved a little bit more because it's so important. It's so important for us to know like how, how that happens. If by chance your brain goes here, and you're not alone if it does, but if your brain goes towards this and you land on... There are certain people that deserve to go to heaven, and there are certain people that don't deserve to go to heaven. You probably haven't spent much time thinking about processing and living in God's grace. Okay? You just potentially don't grasp it. All of us have our standard, and it's an artificial standard. For instance, um, all of us have got this list potentially, if, if especially even if we believe it's grace, we struggle with the list anyway. But especially if we don't really buy into the idea of grace, like we definitely have a list. And some of you, your list is ten things. Some of you, it's seven things. Some of it's three things. Some of it was your upbringing. Some of them your grandma gave to you. And you're like, you cannot do these three, seven, ten things if you do You are not going to heaven. You are not saved. You just can't do that. Nope, 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 nope. Can't do it. But then we've also got this other list. These things over here, eh, they're okay. We can get away with those. Probably, just probably, if you have a list of things that you think, whoo, can't do that one, or, or you miss it completely, probably somewhere on that list, even if it's just three things, probably one of them is something sexual. Okay, probably one of them is something sexual. But, mm, speeding, getting a ticket, eh, I think Jesus will look over that one. I think I'll be okay. I think I'll be okay. So is it my standard or your standard? Okay, who, who, who sets this up as to how this thing works? So whose list do we go by? Mine, yours, theirs? Let me ask you a question, and man, it's a question. <laughs> Here it goes. Can a saved person do anything they want to do and still go to heaven? Y'all want me to answer that one, don't you? You really do. Some of you got an answer you want me to say, and some of you want to shoot me. So I'm going to answer it for you. And before I answer it, I just want to say, like, today's not the end of the conversation. Okay, today's not the end of the conversation. But I'm going to answer this question. The answer is yes. If 
that causes you to gasp, you're starting to get a clue what grace is. That causes you to say something like, man, there's no way I could love anybody like that. Give me a break. You're starting to get it. If you're like, man, this is too good to be true, you are starting to look hard at grace. It's bigger, it's deeper, it's more powerful, it's more wonderful, it's way, way too kind. It's beyond our ability to fully comprehend, and yet we get to experience it because of Jesus. Let me give you these three things. Listen to me. You didn't behave your way into salvation. You didn't behave your way into salvation. Listen more. You can't misbehave your way out of salvation. Thank you, Jesus. You can't behave your way to stay in your salvation. If any one of those statements is not correct, okay, that means all of a sudden salvation is now about me. And it's not about Jesus and I'm here to tell you the scripture declares clearly over and over and over and over again, it's all about Jesus. It's all about his grace, not our good works. This is so vital. You're being saved and you're staying saved is not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done. That right there is really good preaching. Ooh. I don't know if y'all heard me or not. You're being saved is not about... What you do, it's about what Jesus has done. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. John chapter 10, really quick. John chapter 10, beginning verse number 25. Jesus is talking. He's talking to some rule keepers. Woo, they're rule keepers. Good rule keepers. In fact, they had turned their rule keeping into their religion. And uh, they had just, man, they were really, really good at it. They were so good at it that they thought everybody else ought to be good at it. And they were so good at it, they said, we were keeping the rules so good that we're going to have eternal life one day, that we're going to earn favor with God, that we're going to go to heaven one day. We're that good of rule keepers, but you're over there. You didn't keep our rules, so you're not in. And Jesus speaks to him in John chapter 10 and verse 25. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is in the work I do in my Father's name. I want to pause for just a moment. Some of you are stuck and you're not hearing any of this because you got stuck on that question we asked a minute ago and answered. You're there right now. You're just like, oh, I can't. I can, he asked that and then he answered it. And I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Can I encourage you? This is not the end of the conversation. I'm not changing my answer. We're going to talk this more out and the effects and the impact of grace on our life, okay? It, 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 it's, it's not a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not, okay? I just want to assure you of that. But it's powerful. It's powerful. And so the one that we know is grace is speaking right now, so don't miss what he says. Okay? Don't get stuck on that question. Go back to Jesus. Verse 26. But you don't believe me, you rule keepers. You don't believe I am who I say I am. You don't believe I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. You don't believe me because you're not my sheep. You don't belong to me, okay? 
My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. If that question a minute ago bothered you, that verse helps you out just a little bit because that verse is true. If you know Jesus, you follow him. Back to last week, we don't need rules. We need a ruler and his name is Jesus. Okay, right, wrong, absolutely matters. But we get all that from Jesus, not from your list, not from my list, but we get it from Jesus. What do you want me to do? I'll do it. That is the ruler. My sheep know my voice. They do what I say. Verse 28. I give them eternal life. Everybody say eternal life. Sounds like a long time, doesn't it? That'd be kind of like messed up if he's like, hey, here's eternal life. Oh, let me take that back from you. Was it eternal life? Like eternal is like for, forever, right? And here's what he says. I give them, my sheep, my followers, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one no one can snatch, snatch them from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Listen to me, saved people. Listen to me, followers of Jesus. Listen to me, Christians. Listen to me, saved people. Man, do you feel the security in the Father's hands. Whew, man, it's good. It's good. So for just a moment, I want to try to illustrate a little bit what we have in Jesus. And we're going to see if I can talk and do and whatever. We're going to use some Tupperware to help, like, describe this. All right, so Tupperware. Last week, I impressed some of you with my pouring skills. Did I not? That was, I mean, I was, good. some of you were like, oh, it's going to go over, it's going to go over, it's going to go over. First service, I didn't think about having my iPad really, really close. I was nervous. I moved it away in the second. But today, you're not going to be impressed with my handwriting, all right? But I'm going for it anyway. And I'm going to take my Sharpie. And on this piece of Tupperware, I'm going to write these three letters, Y-O-U. What does that word spell? You. So this little piece of Tupperware right here um, is you. You've never felt so small, right? But there you are. Okay, there you are. And here's what we know, that the Bible declares that we've all had our dry washcloth, right? We've all had those moments where we've sinned and we failed, and I'm going to take this one, and I'm going to write these three letters, S-I-N. And we're going to let that spell sin. And so here I am, here you are, and in of ourselves we are in we're in sin. Most of us recognize that. Most of us are honest enough to say, "Yeah, I'm I'm messed up. I'm all messed up." And then most of us like get this like angst in us to say, "I got to do something about that." We we find all kinds of ways to do something about that, but ultimately think, "I got to get out of that mess because I'm in that mess and I don't want to be in that mess." And so we start thinking, "Well, I can start prying my way out of sin. I can do it. I'm good enough and I'm strong strong enough and doggone it, people like me." And so anyway, you rock along, and there you are, and you think, man, I'm doing good. Man, I'm getting out of sin. There I am. Woo, don't I look better? Look at this. Look at me. I'm a good person. I'm doing better. I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing this. Here's the problem with that. Even if you could be good enough to, like, get out of sin and not sin anymore, way to go. There's a problem. There's something inside of you that you, 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 just, you can't even go inside and get, and it's in you since birth. Because inside of you, there's another thing, okay? Inside of you, there is, you can't see it on there, but there's sin. You're not just in sin, sin is in you. That's how 
messed up we are. We are in sin and sin is in us. And so even if I could like get my way out of sin, which I can't, I'm going to find myself having sin in me. And so there I am and I'm, I'm stuck and I'm, I'm in my sin. What am I going to do? So we have this incredible, incredible person that comes along. We know him by many names. We know him as the Son of God. We know him as the Savior. We know him as Jesus. And Jesus comes along and he says, hey, if you'll place your faith in me, if you'll place your trust in me, understanding that you're stuck in your sin and your sin is stuck in you, I'm going to do something for you that you cannot do for yourself. I'm going to get you out of your sin. And so Jesus comes along and he rescues us out of our sin. Okay? And he gets rid of it. He literally forgives us and he washes us clean. Now, I'll just tell you, I've done this illustration several times. It is kind of weird when we have Tupperware at our house that says sin on it. Um, we really don't know what to do with it. But anyway, chocolate cake, I don't know. And so we're in Jesus, but Jesus doesn't stop there. Like He, he, he does an inside job too, okay, because he knows sin is in us. And so he cleans us and he takes away our sin and our unrighteousness and he gives us his righteousness. So I'm going to put that name on here again, the name Jesus. And when I place my faith in Jesus, he moves in me, gives me his righteousness, and I get to be in him. He covers me, and he says, you're mine. He says, you're mine. Doesn't stop there, though. There we are, Jesus, Jesus and us, and we're in Jesus, not by the works we've done, but because of his, say it with me, Come on, say that word. Breathe it in. Grace. All right? We got to bring out the big one for this because when I think about God, I think about big. All right? And so we are in Jesus, Jesus and us, and the word of God just told us in John chapter 10 that we are in the Father's hands, right? We are in the Father. And he puts his grip on us. And Jesus says, who's more powerful than he is? Who can, like, rip you out of his grip? This is what Jesus said, not what I said, not what our church says. This is what Jesus declares, okay? But listen, it does not even stop there. Because the scripture goes on to tell us that he seals us with the Holy Spirit. And this is so beautiful because he wants you to know that you're safe. He also wants rednecks to know that they're loved. And so his Holy Spirit seals us. We're in God's hands. Nothing can separate me. Nothing can take me. And he says, you're there. You are safe and you are secure in me. Now, I don't know about you, but coming to know Jesus since I was like seven, like some stuff's happened in my life. Hard stuff, bad stuff, stupid stuff, sinful stuff. We get rocked, right? We get rocked. Guess where I still am when everything gets rocked? Still in Jesus. Jesus is still in me. I'm still in the Father's hands. I'm still sealed by the Holy Spirit until Jesus comes back. This is what you have. Yeah, you can celebrate. Amen. 
Some of you are going to look at leftovers, never the same again, right? I just want to do some things that will help you get it. Listen, when you were in sin, you were a sinner, okay? When Jesus removed you out of sin and removed sin out of you, and that's what salvation does. It is a full redemption. He never called, listen to me. He never calls you a sinner again. I didn't say you don't struggle with sin anymore, but he never calls you a sinner again. Never in Scripture do we see God saying, well, I just want to talk to all my sinners. I want to talk to my children. I want to talk to the saints. Saints is not somebody that's old, done good their whole life. Saints is somebody who's in Jesus. This is not just about you doing different. This is about you being fundamentally different. Your identity being changed forever through Jesus. Oh, the hope, oh, the security, oh, the staying that is in that. Because he is faithful. God said, I am faithful. I will never leave you. I will never, what? Forsake you. His love, nothing can separate us. This is what he declares over us. So this morning, I, I want you to be able to say, I want you to truly be able to say, I am saved because of grace by means of my faith. And if you've never given your faith to Jesus and ask him to give you his grace to forgive you of your sin and to save you, I'll just make it clear. You're not saved. You're not rescued. You're not redeemed. Today can be the day when that happens, when everything changes for you. We want that to happen for you today. Maybe for you, you're like, I've, I've, I've done that. Like, I know I placed my faith. Well, well, then he did what he said he would do, and he's still doing what he said he will continue to do. That's who he is. That's what he does. So in this moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. We're also going to give you time to respond. There's going to be some awesome people in the back. They're going to be in the back corner back there. And so even while I'm praying here just a minute, if you want to get on up and go speak to somebody that can pray with you, help you, especially if today needs to be your day of salvation, Go. They're going to encourage you. They're going to point you towards Scripture. If you need to come down here and spend some time with Jesus, if you need to spend some time with Jesus in your seat, awesome. Let's sing. Let's respond to Jesus. Let me pray. Father, I bow before you this morning. I am uh, thankful for your grace. And your grace finds us. Thank you for Jesus, the full embodiment of your grace. Thank you for the grace that flows through the cross. Thank you for the grace that rises up from the dead. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. Thank you for saving us when we weren't worth it. And I'll just say it, God, thank you for keeping us saved when we didn't deserve that either. If there's a person here today that's never hopped in the car of faith to go experience grace. I pray that today they'd, they'd go. There's some people here today that just like, yeah, I've, I've hopped in that car before. I've placed my faith in Jesus like it was real. And I just pray they'd have the confidence to know that you did what you said you would do and you're doing what you said you were going to continue to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.